Woo, it's Monday. And I'm doing something that I haven't done in a, in a very long time. I'm redoing a show because last episode that I did, I thought it was was pretty pretty terrible. I didn't prep like I should have. I wanted to throw I wanted to get some thoughts off, but I did not put in the the right amount of work to give you all the best show. And because of that, I said, you know what? I'm not even going to upload this to um, all the podcast streaming apps to one of the DSPs. Uh, I'm just going to take the live down. Then I'm going to come back and do it again because it was a shit show. And because of that, I owe it to you all and I owe it to myself to provide a better show. So today we're going to we're going to keep some of those same topics, man. We're going to talk about the impacts of Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg's death. We're going to go over this Breonna Taylor settlement. We're going to get into some of Kanye's tweets. I'm going to ask the question, why do y'all care about Cardi so much? But then we're going to spin that into celebrity worship and why do we worship celebrities? Um, what are you voting for? Uh, we often talk about the importance of voting, but we don't also, we don't really talk about what we're voting for and why we vote the way that we vote and what's important about voting. We just think that, oh, you got to go vote. You got to go vote. Yeah, you do. But it's bigger than just voting. I'm going to uh, talk about chemistry and the importance of it. I'm going to unload the clip on Doc Kawhi and Paul George, the Clippers. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Celtics and Heat series, the return of the big man, because I think the big man is back. And we have a little football thoughts. And as a Falcons fan who is dealing with all types of emotions two weeks into the season, she's going to give a little bit of football talk. We're definitely going to talk about that game that the Falcons blew yesterday. But anyways, hey, 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 it's the big baby. And I'm back. And man, look, Friday got some scary news. Got the alert to my phone that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. And I was like, man. Here's what's terrible about this. I'm not even going to process her dying. I'm not even processing, you know, thoughts and prayers to the family. The first thing is on my mind is like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Who is going to fill that seat? And that's unfortunate, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's And it's the same thing I saw on the news networks, man. It's it's uh, thoughts and prayers for condolences for the family of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, so what's going to happen? Are the Republicans going to replace her? Or are they going to wait until after the election? What's going to happen? And I'm like, dang, bro, it's crazy the world that we live in. But unfortunately, for those of us who don't have that personal relationship, the only thing that we're really thinking about is what's going to happen. And I'll tell you all, if... She is replaced before she is replaced and confirmed, right? Before the election cycle ends, it's just going to speak to how we can no longer trust many of our elected officials, especially at the national level, because you see that they only have their 
interest at heart and not the interest of the people, not the interest of order, not the interest of maintaining any type of decorum, following precedents that we once had. You know, in 2016, President Obama appointed Merrick Garland to fill Supreme Court justice seat, but because he was a lame duck president, it was, uh, I don't think this is appropriate. Now, the idea that until the day you walk out of the office, presidents shouldn't be able to make decisions that require the president's attention is crazy. Just, just think about this. You'd expect him to make any other decision that he needed to up until the day that he turned over to the new president, or at least until, you know, the, the election has occurred and a new president is elected and the president-elect is waiting to get into office. But the fact that this was eight months out, no election had happened, to say that, you know, we're not going to confirm this justice is absolutely crazy. The fact that it was not allowed to even make the Senate floor is absolutely crazy. But it set a new precedent. And like Lindsey Graham said, hold my words against me. Lindsey Graham, we're going to hold your words against you now here in 2020 because if a new Supreme Court justice is appointed 45 days before the election and you all allow it to hit the Senate floor and you try to confirm it, I'm going to have some, you know, raised eyebrows. Typically, it takes two to three months for this process to carry out. So if you all think you can push this through in less than 45 days, then that says a lot about who you are and who you represent. You obviously don't have the best interest of the American people at heart. You only have your own self-interest there. The thing about politicians and the reason why it's hard to trust career politicians is they make decisions to stay politicians. And someone like Mitch McConnell, who has no issues with corporations running wild and funding campaigns, you know, he he's caring about being Mitch McConnell. He cares about being your Senate majority leader. He cares about his power. Now, understand what could happen in November is 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 interesting because the president could change, but not only could the president change, the composition of the Senate could change. We have a special election going on right now in, in the state of Arizona to replace Senator uh, John McCain, rest in peace. And the, and the favorite to win that election is a Democrat. Now, mind you, the Republicans need, mm, I want to say they have a 53, I want to say they have 53 seats in the Senate right now. So they have the majority that they need, but there are some Republicans who are speaking of not, who are like, hey, we should, we should, we should wait. We shouldn't um, proceed. And I think that's very important because we're going to really see where people stand. Are people going to be, are they going to operate just on party lines or are they going to do what they think is best for the country? Now, had we not set this precedent in 2016, I would have no issue with the current administration appointing a new justice and us moving forward with the process. But the fact that this happened just four years ago and the justice was appointed but not confirmed 
and it was all partisan reasons. Understand, partisanship should not affect the judiciary. The reason why Supreme Court justices have a lifetime sentence, the reason why they're not elected is to try to take the politics out of it. But that is so misleading because how can you take the politics out of, out of a position that is appointed and confirmed by politicians? So in nature, it's misleading to think that politics does not does not have a role in the in the judiciary because, for one, these people have their own political interests, they have their own political ideologies, but more importantly, the way that they get their job is by politics. And I'm not here saying that I, no, I am saying this, I am concerned. I am concerned to see a six to three difference from liberal to conservative in the Supreme Court, not only because I'm a bit more progressive, but because I don't like that. I don't like that imbalance. I would like a four to five, five to four either way, because it maintains, it keeps some form of balance and consistency within the Supreme Court. And it's important for us to have that consistency in the Supreme Court, because if we do not have a judiciary that can stand up against the 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 legislative branch, the executive branch, then what do we have? Because we see the new leg the now the new legislative branch falls in line with their party, no matter what. Damn near every time they're falling in line with the party. They're not making the best decisions for you and I. They're making the best decisions for them. But we need judges. We need justices who care. Who care about the American people. You know, it's really sad. We've already seen the way the lower, the, the circuit courts have been packed with so many different conservative judges. And the fear is that some of our civil liberties will be taken away from us. The fear is that Roe v. Wade could be relitigated. And the crazy thing about that is, is we, why are we taking away liberties from people? People, there are enough oppressed people in this country that we, we don't need to take away people's rights. If anything, we need to find ways to give more to those who deserve it. But I say, look, man, eight months isn't 45 days. If eight months is if eight months was too close, but now 45 days isn't, it's crazy. But look, if there is an appointment made, I'm okay with that. But I would like to see the same consistency when that appointment is made that it does not see the floor until after the election because there's too much that can change. But man, here's something crazy. And we're talking about the the rolling back of civil liberties that could possibly happen. The idea that abortion could really become illegal in 2020, like, bro, why do you care what somebody else is choosing to do? If you want to abort it, go ahead and abort it. That's your business. That's between you, your body, your partner, your God, and whoever you else you answer to. But it's not for me to tell you what to do. But I see Kanye here, man. And Kanye, again could be possibly swiping his clout card. And I'm afraid that the card that he's swiping <clears throat> may be out of funds. And here's why. Because he's used his voice so many times 
to speak about things that may not have mattered or may have been personal to him, or he may have just not used all of the right words when trying to get a certain message across. Like when he talked about slavery being a choice, were you forced to be a slave? Yes. Did you have a choice to leave slavery? Yes, you had a choice, but what were the consequences of those choices, right? Usually didn't work out well for you. So again, was he right to say that slavery was a choice? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't wrong. But did he properly contextualize the conversation for us to take him seriously? Absolutely not. When he talked about uh, Harriet Tubman not freeing people because all he did was took them from slavery and to another form of oppression because Black people didn't own anything at the time, did not have the ability to get to create their own their own wealth, and they were still subject to the other's oppression. I get what he was saying, but because he did not properly contextualize it, because he did not use his words the way that he should have, we dismiss him. We see him wear the MAGA hats. We see him meeting with individuals and giving them uh, credit for not for being for us when they've done very little to show us that they stand with us. Most of their behavior has appeared to be behavior that is against us, but he does the things that work for him at the time. You know, oftentimes when he goes on Twitter, when he goes on Instagram, when he gets to talking, he is preparing to drop a project. So at the end of the day, it's like, oh man, are you trying to sell something or are you actually trying to help us out by educating us? We never know because he's lost credibility because he swiped his clout card so many times that now he's swiping his clout card to buy something that he needs. And you know what? It might come back declined. It may say insufficient funds because he's lost the capital with the people who he's trying to help. Okay, so here's, here, here's, here's what's going on. He's trying to tear apart the music industry as is. Why? Because he understands how these record executives, these uh, record companies have been taking advantage of artists for far too long. We're talking about artists who create these works. We're talking about artists who spend their life trying to, to, to make an album, to make songs, to influence the people. And then what happens is that they don't even get to own their, their, their products. They don't get to own their projects. And do I think all artists deserve to own 100% of their projects 100% of the time? Absolutely not. Because I think that it takes, sometimes it takes that machine to get you where you need to be. It And those people deserve whatever it is for helping you get there. But once you establish yourself, once you get to the point that it doesn't matter which company you work for, that you are the draw, you deserve the opportunity to own your own stuff. It should be more of a partnership because understand, record companies don't exist without record makers. These execs don't have a job if you can't go write a 16, okay? If you can't make a hook, if you can't get the, the beat right, if you can't make the crowd move, they can't make their money off of you. So here's the thing, though. A lot of people have issues with empowering the working class. I take it to athletes. Professional athletes, yes, they are technically the working class. They are working for a living. Yes, they are highly compensated, but they do not own the teams that they play for. 
They do not necessarily get to dictate the terms of their contract fully. Okay, they give these franchises millions of millions and millions and millions and sometimes even billions of dollars. But all they get in return is the millions that they make. And you know what? If we are tired of you, if you're not good enough, we'll ship you to Houston. We'll ship you to Cleveland. We'll ship you to Miami. We'll ship you to Indiana. Why? Because the teams can do that. And then once the players realized, hold on, I got the leverage here. I'm LeBron James. I'm responsible for for the Cleveland economy. I'm Kevin Durant. You know what? I don't like playing here in OKC. I want to go play in the Bay. Right? When you have those people decide they have power, other people get mad and say, oh, what are they doing? They're soft. How dare you take your own career into your own hand? Hold on, commentator. Hold on, angry fan. If you had a better job opportunity doing something that you wanted to do in a place that you wanted to do it, wouldn't you do it? Yes. Right. And, and, and the idea that that people say that the system, the systemic racism, the systematic oppression is not. American is an absolute lie, because anytime, any time, oftentimes when we see people taking their career into their own hands, we say, oh, my God, no, that's wrong. We disagree with that. The idea that somebody can make billions of dollars during a pandemic while other people are losing their houses because they can't work. The idea that, you know, the rich of the rich are getting richer and the poor of the poor are getting more poor. The idea that we can't redistribute resources to those who need it. To say that's un-American is, yeah, you're right, it is un-American, which means that our American values, our American culture is built upon oppression. Because when you want to see another person down, excuse me, not that you even want to see another person down, when you don't want to help another person rise to a better lifestyle, even though you can afford that opportunity to them and not lose anything for you, you know what, you like to see them down, you like to see them oppressed. The fact that you have Chiefs fans booing players coming together in unity to fight against racism in America. Oh, you. <laughs> it's oppression. The idea that we think trickle-down economics work instead of providing grants for those in communities who need it most. Oh, yeah, no. Oppression. We, we we don't no we don't believe in that yeah because we believe in oppression. The idea that we can give tax breaks to to the biggest companies, right? But we have an issue with stimulus checks going to those who need it because they can't afford to pay their bills. It's crazy, right? You know, all of that is American culture. That is easily accepted American culture. But we say that we're not a culture built on oppression. Well, if we're not a culture built on oppression, I don't know what the hell we are. (laughs) Only thing I do know is we are a culture built on celebrity worship. Well, we worship our celebrities like it's no tomorrow. We give them God status. We give them goddess status. We, We go to war for them over things they won't go to war with each other over. They'll sit quietly behind and they'll let us go out, fight, 
tweet, do whatever the case may be in their name, and they won't give a damn about it. Think about how many people have lost their lives over Jordan. Just over shoes, man. Why? Because Michael Jordan's name is on it. Yes, they're nice shoes. I'm a fan of them. But am I about to fight over a pair of shoes? Absolutely not. I got better things to do with my life. And I say this because I look at the Cardi B situation, right? Last week, she filed from divorce from her husband, Offset. Uh, shout out to Migos. And all I see on social media is, see, Queen, this is what happened when you when you realize your worth. You don't take that anymore. A man's just not going to run around on you all this time. And we're going to send her, yes, Queen, you are truly a queen. Hold on, bro. Are you in a house? Do you know what's going on? Are you just taking rumors and taking that as gospel? Now, what's crazy is she eventually, she later on came out and said, no, it wasn't infidelity that ended our relationship. I was just tired of arguing. I wasn't happy. Yes, great. You know what? If you're not happy with somebody, no matter if you have kids, no matter if you have love for them, you have to go. And I think we so often get caught up on the emotion of a relationship and we think that love is enough, but it's not, man. I'll take compatibility over love any day because guess what? If we're compatible, we like to do the same. We like to do similar things. We have similar interests. We probably are attracted to the same types of people and we can build love there. But no, 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 no. We care about love. Now, I asked y'all a long time ago, do you believe in love and the promise that it gives? And most of you said no. But yet you go out looking for love instead of compatibility. Ooh, baby, you look good. Ooh, look at him. He got a good job. He got good money. But hold on. What does what what are his values? What does he believe in? Where does he stand? Right? What if he believes in the 80-20 concept? What if she believes in the three-man theory? Or he believes in the three-woman theory. What if that's the thing? What if people, you know, don't Subscribe to the mainstream marriage, the mainstream lifestyle of how you should be in love. But y'all are compatible and y'all are happy. It doesn't matter if your mama's happy. It doesn't matter if your grandmama's happy, your daddy, your cousin, your auntie, none of that stuff. It matters about you and what you're happy for. And if you're compatible with somebody, hey, you know what? Go for that. But let me get back to celebrity words. Why do y'all care about Cardi so much? Why are y'all fighting over Cardi and Offset? You know, I can understand a little bit of the Tory and, and Meg piece because this man allegedly shot her. Then it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? You can be mad at him for shooting her. But to a certain degree, it's like, hold on. what? How are you affected? What do these people mean to you? And hell, what do you mean to them? Why do we worship celebrities? Why do we get upset at Kevin Durant for firing back at people on Twitter or creating burner accounts so that he can speak his mind to people while maintaining his corporate interests? Because he just can't file and cuss people out. Oh, you're, you should be above that. Above what? I'm still a human. I still like to be criticized. And guess what? Most of us, we live in a place where we don't get criticized for what we do at work. We don't get criticized for our personal lives on a, on a, on a national level, on an international level. But yet we, we worship these people who are just like you and I. And it's nuts. I, I feel like most of us, have come in close contact with a with somebody who is quote unquote a celebrity. We've we've gotten to know somebody who may have ascended past the the normal day to day nine to five average Joe Schmo life. 
And I bet you they're all still human. I bet you they still have feelings. I bet you they still hurt. Look at Paul George. And his, he's saying he was dealing with anxiety and, and depression in the bubble. That's humanity. Look at look at Robin Williams who, who took his own life. Look at look at look at uh, Amy Winehouse. She tried to go to rehab, you know. She tried to sell it. She said no, no, no. She was fighting demons. Guess what? Our celebrities fight demons. They're human, just like you and I. So we got to stop worshiping these people like they're gods. You know, God talked about that. These idol gods that you worship. He talked about it. And that's what we're doing with celebrities. We always think about these golden calves or or some physical object that you can put in your house that you worship. But your celebrity worship is the true idol around here. And while you're idly sitting around worried about these idols, you you're going to watch life pass you by. So worry about you. Worry about yourself. And stop caring about Cardi so much, man. Now, we're going to go somewhere where the transition's not going to be as smooth. I'm going to hit on the Breonna Taylor piece. Because I keep seeing people comment on justice for Breonna Taylor and I am all for getting justice for Breonna Taylor, but the first thing I'm going to have to do is spell her name right because that is so disrespectful. Forgive me uh, for my poor spelling. But yes, we want justice for Breonna Taylor, but what is justice for Breonna Taylor? The family just received, um, the city gave an 11, excuse me, a $12 million settlement uh, for her murder. Some of that money is going to, uh, was it, criminal justice reform. I think that's great. The family does get some money. I think that's absolutely amazing. No, you can't put a dollar figure on a family member losing their life. But, hey, you got to give me something. So good good on them. And hopefully they can keep that and, and turn it into generational wealth. And unfortunately for Breonna Taylor, she has created so many conversations. I think she's created an important conversation. So another thing that, th that they have done in Louisville is they've gotten rid of no-knock warrants. Now, before carrying out a warrant, the commanding officer has to has to sign off on it before it goes to the judge. So that gives more awareness to what's going on. Uh, they're going to start implementing social workers to uh, respond to certain issues in the city. And they're giving cops um, a benefit for living in the city. So pretty much they'll help you. You, you, you. You'll be able to get a house at a lower rate if you choose to live in the city in which you're policing, the area in which you're policing, which I think is important because community policing is important. Unlike vigilante policing, community policing is important because if you are a part of the community that you are policing, if the people feel like they can trust you, then I think that that is better forward but here's my issue with what's going on okay i think that what's happening in louisville is they're giving out some nice thick i go call them cracker crumbs call them bread crumbs i think they're giving you bread crumbs now but i think we're leading to something that is important i think we're leading to something that is good but right now just we're bread crumbs and i think they're bread crumbing us and hopefully we can get to the whole loaf you know what? We can get to that whole loaf, get a couple of pieces of fish with it, right? Talk to Jesus that he can feed the multitude. 
I think that is something that needs to happen. I think that's something that's important. I think that we are on our way there. But what we're going to need is somebody who is radical, somebody who's not afraid of the powers that be to ensure that they push this case as far as it can go. Because yes, the family got money, but they have still not received justice. And I do believe that those police officers deserve to be punished for their actions. Yes, the one who was recklessly shooting into the house did lose his job. He's appealing that. And you know what? He has police union support because they're saying, hey, the investigation is not complete. So why are we making decisions when the investigation is not complete? Yes, they have a valid point in that. But guess what? Even if the investigation comes back and the cops are clean, I still think that there is work that needs to be done and the policies that they are trying to implement, that they're going to implement, are important policies moving forward to making relationships better with the people and the police officers. But I also think that the wrong people are being punished for the death of Breonna Taylor. The taxpayers are going to carry this $12 million burden, not the police, not the police unions, not police pensions. And for me, it's it's it, it hurts me because I think we got to hit them where it hurts. Until we attack the police unions, until we dismantle these police unions, we will not get the criminal justice change that we want to see. Yes, I hear defund the police, which is just reallocating funds. Do I support reallocating funds? Yes, but you still can't make changes if you don't attack the union, okay? The union, some of the things that they're trying to do, like expanding the drug test in, 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 in Louisville, violate the, 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 the agreement that they have with the police union. So if you can't even implement changes because of the agreement you have with the police unions, then what are we doing? The police unions are harboring criminals. They're protecting their own and they're not protecting the people. See, the, the idea of being a law enforcement official, right, is to protect and serve the community in which you live in. But how are you protecting and serving the community if you're only going to protect and serve yourself? You are not the community. You are a piece of the community. And what we have to do as, as social justice warriors, as agents of change, as talking heads, as, as, as activists, as protesters, even for the rioters and the looters out there, you have to hit them where it hurts. You have to attack their pockets. You have to attack the police unions and police pensions because if we don't attack them, we have nothing. And we have to hold our law, excuse me, our elected officials accountable for that. And this takes me to my next topic, man. What are you voting for? You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said early, late last week that the unstoppable shot is voting. But who cares if you're stop, your shot is unstoppable if you're shooting into the wrong basket? You can get buckets all day, but if you're shooting into the wrong basket, you're not going to win the game. And the idea that so many people are trying to feed us that you got to vote, you got to vote, you got to vote. Okay, yes, you have to vote. Voting is very important. But if you're not voting for the right candidate, then what are you voting for? 
If you're not going to have politicians hold th that you hold accountable for taking care of you and your community, then what are you voting for? If you're just picking a ticket and you're going D, 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 or R, 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 and you're not researching policy, you're not researching agendas, you're not researching track records, then what are you voting for? And it's crazy I came to this topic because of sports, because as you see, Giannis won his back-to-back -back MVP, and LeBron was pissed off, and deservedly so. And I asked the question, what are you voting for? Because in the NBA and sports, we still haven't figured out what valuable is. Russell Westbrook won an MVP for a triple-double, and people defend and say, he had a triple-double. So what? He was like a five or a six seed. That's not valuable. It's a record season award. Yeah, it was a record season award. He had a great award. He was great, but he wasn't valuable. We talk about valuable. What Tom Brady was to New England was valuable. The way he was able to embrace the culture, take less, that was valuable. But what Aaron Rodgers does every Sunday, what Patrick Mahomes does every Sunday is great and is good. So when voters vote on MVP, they, they, they often confuse best and most valuable. Because you can't always put a, a, a number on what most valuable is because there's no there's no direct criteria for what valuable is. And the same thing applies to us when we vote. Who is the most ca valuable candidate in D.C.? Who, who are you voting for and why are you voting for? Don't get caught up on the name. Don't get caught up on the party. Get caught up on what they have done and what they say they're going to do. And if they don't do what they say they're going to do, and if they don't at least try, then you know what? Hold them accountable and don't let them stay in. What are you voting for? If you're just blindly voting, what are you voting for? If you're not doing your research, what are you voting for? If you are only voting... But you're not being politically active. You're not being civically engaged. What are you voting for? You can't just vote and expect change. You have to do your research. You have to do your homework. And you have to stay active. You have to figure out what is valuable to your community. Who is the most valuable candidate for your community? And that's who you vote for, just like the most valuable player. Who is the most valuable player to their team? Who is the reason for winning? Who's the reason for winning in your community? And that's who you should vote for. Because guess what? There's a lot of dumb voters out here. They came up with the Electoral College because they said, you know what? The average person isn't smart enough to properly select the person to run the country. But guess what? They're right. <laughs> They're right. We live in these echo chambers now. We don't know what we're voting for. We listen to the people we like to tell us what we want to hear about, the people that we want to hear it about. And then we use that information and we go vote. Well, we can't crack open a book. We can't go outside and be in the streets. We can't feel the people. We don't know what's going on in our towns locally, but we want to blame everything on everything in Washington. Guess what? 
You can control what happens in Cartersville better than what you can control in Washington. You can control what happens in, in, in Los Angeles better than what you can control in Washington. You can control what happens better in Johnson, South Carolina, shout out to Chu, better than you can to what happens in Washington. And if you take the time to invest in your hometown communities, in the communities in which you live in, I promise you, you will see more at the top because you work bottom up. See, it works bottom up and top down. You need both. But if you're just going out there casting a the ballot and then waiting four more years to cast the ballot again or waiting two more years to cast your ballot again, you know, what What are you voting for, man? What, what are you? Why are you even voting? You don't know what's going on. So be engaged. Be educated. So you know that what you are voting for. Man, chemistry counts. Now, and as I get ready to unload this clip, man, I got to let y'all know that, man, chemistry counts. You can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be great. No, man. You got to have a team. You got to build chemistry with your team. You got to practice. You got to work hard. <coughs> you have to trust the process. You have to be diligent to your craft. You have to care. You can't say, oh, it's game day. I'm going to turn it on. No, man. You have to turn it on in the offseason. You have to turn it on in practice. You have to prepare. And just like I'm about to unload this clip because somebody wasn't true to the process. The reason why I'm redoing this podcast, because I was not true to my own process. I didn't write the way that I normally write. I rushed my creative process. And guess what? Somebody can unload the clip on me for the terrible show that I did last Friday. But here, I'm going to tell you a little something. What the Clippers did in this playoffs, it showed us who they were. They were the same team the entire year, and then we said they're going to turn it on in the bubble. Uh, no, 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 we're going to wait. They're going to turn it on in the playoffs. Uh, uh, no, they're going to turn it on in the Western Conference Finals when they have to see LeBron. But guess what? They never got to see LeBron because they didn't care about the process. They were so worried about LeBron that they didn't worry about themselves and see they didn't get to meet LeBron. They didn't get to see the Lakers. They didn't get to see ADC. Just like the Rockets of old, they built a team to beat the Warriors. But guess what? They they couldn't beat the Warriors because they didn't make themselves their their best self. They said, "Oh no, we gotta worry about this." Okay, the Warriors get that. Okay, we're gonna no 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 no. Be the best you. Be the best team that you can be. And guess what? When you play against the Warriors, you know what I'm saying. You might come out victorious. See, Clippers, y'all were worried about the Lakers too much, but y'all weren't worried about the Clippers. And because y'all were not worried about the Clippers, you got beat by the Nuggets. And it takes me to, you know, it's it's just like the pretty girl, you know, girl who's been curving you forever. Y'all kind of talk, y'all kind of don't. She goes and comes, but then finally she gives you the chance. You fall for it because you wanted her so bad for all these years. And then once you get her, she show, she's always the person who she, who she was. She flakes. She, she she cancels date night at the last minute. You, you, you know, you catch her stepping out. You, you catching somebody else's DM, somebody in her DMs, and she's entertaining it. She's flirting with the waiter at dinner. Guess what? She was the same person the whole time you was chasing her. And guess what? When you, when you called her, you got caught because <laughs> she was herself, right? Just like when you are the side piece and maybe something doesn't work out with the person and their main individual. And you think because you're the side piece that you're going to elevate and become the main. And then we'll come to find out you get left because um, 
Well, you want to leave because of the side other side piece. Guess what, man? You 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 got bit by the snake that you put in your back pocket. See, you, you knew this person was moving and shaking one way, and, and they moved and shook that way, and then you got mad because you got burnt. And that's what happens to Clippers fans. That's what happened to the people who bet on the Clippers. You see, the Clippers showed us who they were the whole time, right? Terrible culture, losing culture. We're going to low manage. We're going to rest Kawhi. We're going to gear up for the Lakers. And guess what? They ain't get to see them. Because that's who they are. Because see, Kawhi, their, their best player, their alpha dog, the man who doesn't talk, he is a product of his environment, right? <laughs> he doesn't create culture. He, he conforms to culture. When he was in, in, in San Antonio, right, great winning culture. He conformed to that culture, and he won a championship. He went to Toronto, a great team with a great culture that was just one player away. He was the one player away. He went to that culture. He conformed, conformed to that culture, and guess what? He won a championship. He came to the Clippers. He tried to bring culture to the Clippers, but see, he ain't got culture. He went to losing culture. Uh, a culture that uh, underachieves regularly, right? You got Doc Rivers, who is a good coach. I don't know if he's great. He, he, he's, he, he's a loser. He's not a loser. He's overrated. He's, he's lost more 3-1 series than anybody else. It's absolutely insane. My puppy's out here crying. My puppy wants to come in. I got to finish this podcast, though. It's okay, Gucci. I'll be out there in a second. But see, Doc Rivers, yeah, he's overrated. He had KD, excuse me, KG. He had Paul Pierce. He had Ray Allen. Great role players. A great culture there. They were good. See what he did when he had Blake. They came up short. See what he did with Kawhi and Paul George. They came up short. Then you got Paul George trying to give post-game speeches after game seven. Everybody want to hear that. Come on, Paul. Who are you talking to, bro? You want to be a leader now? You and Trez going at it because Trez trying to say, I can't even say nothing to you. Ain't nothing ever your fault. You ain't never did nothing wrong. Now you want to be a leader? And to you, it wasn't a, a championship or bust season? Yeah, it's the Clippers. It's never a championship or bust for the Clippers. Why? Because they're losers. Losing culture. And hopefully they go back to the drawing board and they focus on themselves moving forward, right? And they create a winning culture and they get rid of those who, who, who aren't there for the long haul. They create a winning culture, then maybe Kawhi can win because he is a product of a winning culture. But understand, he is a hmm, he is a product of his environment. He is not a culture creator. A little bit, a little bit more NBA talk, man. I think what happened with the Celtics is they're they're imploding. They are absolutely imploding. Yes, they won Game Three, but I understand families have arguments. I understand people get into it. I understand in competition. Stuff gets stiff, but guess what? Nah, man. They're done. They don't like each other. I don't care what anybody says. You you out here throwing trash cans. You you, you, got, you got to get separated. You having midnight talks with the coach and all of that stuff. You coming out of the locker room, yelling at people. Uh, no. Nah, they're imploding. And this is what happens when the heart and soul of your team is not the best player. When your best players may be Alpha talents, but not alpha personality. See, you, you have a fiery Marcus Smart who's going to put it all out there on the line, but guess what? He can't shoot. He's not afraid of the moment, but guess what? He just ain't good enough for those moments. And when he's the older guy, when he's the vet, and you have the younger, uh, more talented people, 
you know, it, it is what it is. When you have a coach in Brad Stevens who has not shown the ability to, to coach a true superstar, a guy who's been in love with Gordon Hayward since he was 16, and he continues to show that love for Gordon despite how it affects his team. Don't get me wrong, Gordon was great. Saturday was probably the reason that they won the game because he they are they're not they're not deep. But when Jason Tatum is not the leader of your team, when Jalen Brown's not the leader of your team, those are the problems that you run into. And lastly on basketball, man, the big man is back. For everybody who said we're gonna go small ball. Corner threes and all of this stuff. Yes, corner threes are good. Yes, uh, 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 the three ball and, and, and dunks are good. Dunks and layups are good. But guess what? The big man is back and should have never left. You see what happened to the Rockets having no big man. They got dismantled. Look at the final four teams. Three of them have a real big man. The only team who doesn't have a big man is the Celtics. You have Bam, who is going to become one of the best utility big men in the league. He can score at the bucket. He can shoot a little mid-range. He can pass. He can play great defense. Then you have the Nuggets with Jokic, big joker. You see what he does? All-NBA. He can't play defense, but he may be one of the best skilled passing big men ever. Then you got Anthony Davis, who just knocked down a game, winning three to go up 2-0 against the Nuggets. The big man is back. You can't play ball without a good big man. And I'm so happy to see this because I did not want to see seven-foot people working regular day jobs. I want to see them playing in the NBA. And as much as analytics are great, you still have to look at the man playing the game. And there are just certain things that a person who's six foot ten, seven feet tall can do that other people can't do. And when basketball slows down in the playoffs, that's exactly what you get. Now, let's transition to a little bit of football. Is it Brady or is it the weapons? Is it the the new system or is it the player? You know, we tried to blame everything on the weapons, but I think it was the shooter. I think that the shooter lost some of his touch. You know... Cam Newton just threw for almost 400 yards last night with the same weapons that Tom Brady could could barely throw for 200 to. You see, Tom Brady struggles in two games with with great weapons down there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I know it's early, but it's early for Cam Newton too. He had less time with his weapons to prepare than Tom Brady did with his weapons, and guess who's looking better? Tom Brady is no longer who he was. Tom Brady is a top football mind, yes, but he is no longer a top-end quarterback in the league. He is a middle-tier quarterback. And until we accept this, because now we've given him so many excuses. We say, oh, Belichick is too hard on him. Oh, he doesn't have weapons. Oh, no, no, he's 43 years old. He's playing well past his prime. He is toast. Yes, Tom Brady is toast. Tom Brady is done. There's a reason why quarterbacks don't play pass, pass into deep into their 40s. He's done. It's okay to be done. He's still the GOAT. He's still the most accomplished quarterback of all time. But guess what? He's not who he used to be. He's done. 
And we have to accept that. We can't say, oh, well, Tom Brady accomplished. I don't care what he's accomplished. I care about what he's going to do now. What have you done for me lately? And what have you done? What you've done for me lately is thrown pick after pick after pick after pick. What's the difference between Tom Brady and Jameis right now? Jameis ain't playing. But is Tom Brady being a superior quarterback to Jameis Winston? Absolutely not. So I just we gotta just let it be, man. The past is the past, man. And moving forward, we have to judge him by what he's doing, not what he did. And look here, I'm so tired of NFL people disrespecting Cam Newton. The way they say, oh, yeah, it really looked nice how he went through his progression there. Yeah, he knows how to read a defense. Is he as accurate as he's, as he's ever been in his career right now? Yes. But he was showing those flashes two years ago before he got hurt. So I'm happy to see Cam succeeding because the amount of disrespect that he receives from people who speak on the league is just sickening. It hurts my soul because it's like, what do you think he is, stupid? You think he got here by accident? Yeah, he has raw ability that, that's second to none. But guess what? Raw ability doesn't just get you there. What about Jamarcus Russell? That was raw ability, no work ethic. So stop disrespecting Cam Newton. He made Julian Edelman look like a Hall of Famer. Hey, Atlanta Falcons. We got to change the losing culture and fire Dan Quinn. Point blank, period. After Julio's drop... Uh, in the Eagles game, I've wanted him gone ever since. I didn't want to bring him back after the Super Bowl, but I said, oh, let's see what he does. He got us to the playoffs the next year, and then 79-79, and now we're 0-2. He's a defensive coach that has bad defenses. And his offense, I mean, we, we put up good offensive stats, but we're still not scoring the way we should. We had 39 points, no turnovers, and we lost yesterday because – Players didn't know to fall, that they could fall on a kick before it went 10 yards. I haven't played football in 10 years, and I know that. That's coaching. You think a Bill Belichick team would do that? Absolutely not. A well-coached team knows the rules. See, it's not only the X's and the O's. It's about knowing the rules because if you know the rules, you, you know how to play the game a bit better because it is in the rule book. You can follow that ball at eight yards. You can follow it at two yards. I get that the ball looked all crazy and you didn't want to be the one to mess it up, but hell, you still messed it up. And they came down and the Cowboys won a game that they did not deserve to win, but the Falcons deserved to lose. So in order to get rid of this losing, I know Arthur Blank, I know you don't fire coaches midseason, but Dan Quinn has to go. He has to go. Philly, y'all are trash. Joe Burrow is for real. And Kyler's up next. Thank you for your time. You know, I I got some guests coming up soon. Going to have some more good conversations. We're going to get back into our mental health series, man, because I think it's important to focus on the importance of mental health, man. And, and my lasting words, man, take care of yourself, man. Take care of your mental health. It's important, just like it is important to take care of your physical health. Take care of your mental health. Do what you need to do to make you your best you. Y'all have a great week. Big baby, yeah!